Welcome to the Vision Church Podcast. We're so thankful that you're taking some time today to listen. We pray that this week's message challenges you to press in deeper with your pursuit of Christ. Our mission at Vision Church is to go and make disciples. You can help us in this mission by rating this podcast and sharing it with the world via social media. We want to reach the lost by raising up the found. Thank you again for tuning in today and enjoy the message. Second Peter chapter two, beginning in verse one. But there were also false prophets in Israel, just as there will be false prophets, false teachers among you. They will cleverly teach destructive heresies and even deny the master who bought them. In this way, they will bring sudden destruction upon themselves. Many will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality. And because of these teachers, the way of truth will be slandered. In their greed, they will make up clever lies to get a hold of your money. But God condemned them long ago to their de- and their destruction will not be delayed. For God did not spare the angels who sinned. He threw them into hell in gloomy pits of darkness where they're being held until the day of judgment. And God did not spare the ancient world except for Noah and seven others in his family. Noah warned the world of God's righteous judgment. So God protected Noah when he destroyed the world of ungodly people with a vast flood. Later, God condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, turning them into heaps of ashes. He made them an example of what will happen to ungodly people. But God also rescued Lot out of Sodom because he was a righteous man who was sick of the shameful immorality of the wicked people around him. Yes, Lot was a righteous man who was tormented in his soul by the wickedness that he saw and heard day after day. So when you see, so you see, the Lord knows how to rescue godly people from their trials while keeping the wicked under the punishment until the day of the final judgment. He is especially hard on those who follow their own twisted sexual desires and who despise authority. These people are arrogant and proud, daring even to scoff at supernatural beings without so much as trembling. Pray with me now. Father, we come to You in Jesus' Name, the Name that is above all names. Right now, we ask You to be strong in my weakness because I need You. I ask that You would make ready the hearts of Your people to receive the Word of Truth. Lord, may Your Word today, may it be a beacon of light that shines brilliantly in the darkness. Equip the saints, help them, Lord, to stand firm in this hour. And Lord, be be made mighty in our midst. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. So a little context here into the book of 2 Peter. It is obviously written by Peter, the disciple, later apostle, who walked with Jesus and saw every aspect of his life and ministry for three years. Peter saw blind eyes open, the deaf hear and the lame to walk. He watched Jesus suffer and die on a rugged cross and be raised from death to life on the third day. We are reading the words this morning, not of someone who has secondhand or thirdhand information. 
We're reading from an eyewitness of the Lord Jesus himself. He writes with urgency to believers, both Jew and Gentile, scattered throughout Asia Minor, warning them of false prophets and teachers that would slither their way into their meetings and if possible, lead countless people astray from the true gospel of Jesus Christ. I wanna warn you today with these same words, 2 Peter chapter two is all about false teachers and false prophets. And the truth is, they can be very hard to distinguish. I'm a pastor, I've been so for 10 years. I study the word constantly, this is my life. And even sometimes when I hear people preach or teach with such eloquence and seemingly wisdom, it can be hard to decipher, is this person a true prophet and messenger from God or are they leading people astray? So for the next few moments, I'm gonna give you eight facts about false teachers that hopefully will help equip you to guard yourself against false teachers who would come to deceive you and the world around you. By the way, the New Testament is filled with warnings about false teachers that would come to deceive many in the last days. I want you to know you're living in it and they are all around you. The first point, first fact of eight is that they're already among you. Tell your neighbor with some attitude, they're already among you. They're already here. Peter was not writing this letter saying, hey, you might probably run into them at some point in your life. No, he was writing with urgency. They're already here and they're already among you. And Satan's plan has always been to infiltrate the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. So guard yourselves, be sober, be aware and alert. They're already here. In Peter's day, they would have to physically travel to the gathering of the saints to preach or teach. But today, it's far more accessible than ever before. All you gotta do is open up Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and you can see some TikTok preachers everywhere, some YouTube theologians everywhere, and false teaching is among you. It's not a matter of if you hear it, if you see it, it is literally a matter of recognizing it. It's already around you, immersed in you. And being aware of it is the first key. The second fact that I wanna to bring to your attention is that false teachers prioritize what is popular over what is true. They're focused and fixated on what is trendy, what is catchy, what is attention grabbing. They put an emphasis on things that are popular over the truth of God's word. In verse one of 2 Peter 2, he says they will cleverly teach destructive heresies, all right? What Peter is saying here by they will cleverly teach destructive heresies is he's literally saying that these false teachers, they will choose themselves what they believe based on what is politically correct what the mainstream ideology and culture is leaning towards of their day over the word of God. And he is literally telling us that these false teachers will be so immersed 
in what is popular, what is trendy, what's politically correct, that they themselves will be self-deceived. After all, you've never heard a false teacher come out and go, hi, I'm a false teacher. Welcome. Good morning. See, right? Like nobody thinks they're a false teacher because they're so deeply immersed and convinced that what they're doing is the work of God, but they stray from the tough, difficult aspects of the Bible. Most false teachers, they want to stay in what is politically correct, what is comfortable and popular because they want you to like them. They're all concerned about you liking them. I got to tell you, I've talked to some pastors behind closed doors that they're like, well, you know, I don't really want to preach on that topic. You know, I don't really want to get into that because I don't want to be too divisive. You know, I want to, I don't want to be negative. I want to be, you know, I want to make people feel good. Houston, we have a problem. All right. You and I don't get to determine what we feel like preaching. We must preach the whole counsel of the word of God. And by the way, the word of God can be abrasive and the word of God can be offensive. How many of you believe the gospel is offensive? Like three of you that raise your hand, you three are right. It is offensive because the gospel tells you that you are a sinner in need of a savior. All right. And that is not popular preaching. They literally cling to what is popular, what is comfortable. They don't want to ruffle any feathers and they've become self-deceived. Number three, they minimize Jesus and or the scriptures. They have a low view of the Bible, yet they claim to have an accurate view of Jesus. And this is super important. Verse one, Peter says it this way. They deny the master who bought them. Jesus is saying, or excuse me, Peter's saying that they literally in their deception, they end up denying Jesus, our master who bought us with his shed blood on the cross. They minimize him, they suppress his truth, and they have a low view of the Bible. Listen, any church, any pastor that has a low view of scripture, yet claims to have an accurate view of Jesus, is a heretic. Jesus and the word are inseparable. You can't have the parts of Jesus you like and ignore the parts of the Bible that you don't like. Scripture says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word remains forever. In the beginning, the word was with God and the word was God. Jesus told the Pharisees, he said, you search through the Old Testament, Genesis to Malachi, and in them you think you find life. But really, they all testify of me. Jesus was saying that the whole Bible is about him. I've heard people say, well, you know, Jesus didn't talk about homosexuality, transgender. He didn't talk about sexual promiscuity. You know, Jesus kind of ignored those topics. So if Jesus didn't address it, why should we? Flag on the play, time out. With all due respect, the Old Testament says a whole lot about it. And Jesus taught the Old Testament as the authoritative word of God. He did. 
You can't take the parts of Jesus and the parts of the Bible that you like and come up with your own worldview and ignore the rest. That's what false teachers do. They suppress the truth of God's word. Here's, here's what they do. A hallmark of a false teacher is they preach a gospel minus repentance. Tell your neighbor, they don't use the R word. They don't use the R word. The R word is repent, all right? And I can't tell you how many gifted communicators, brilliant preachers I've heard preach eloquent sermons completely void of repentance and sin. They don't talk about sin. They don't talk about repentance. Church, that's a huge red flag waving in the air. Do you realize that the first word Jesus ever preached was repent for the kingdom is at hand? And before him, John the Baptist, the wild man in the wilderness who prepared a way for the Lord, he said, repent for the kingdom is here. A gospel minus repentance is no gospel at all. And by the way, repentance is not remorse. Repentance is not like, well, you know, I feel bad about that, but I'm going to keep on doing it anyway. No, repentance means to turn around, to turn your back towards sin and turn your face towards Jesus. False teachers, they omit repentance altogether and they don't preach about sin at all because they don't want to be viewed as negative. And here's another thing. Listen, false teachers, they'll preach about Jesus. They'll preach about the cross. They'll preach about the resurrection, but they will omit sin and repentance. They won't mention it. But here's the trouble, church. If you never show people the true sinful condition of the human heart, then they will have no idea how to apply the message of Christ and his cross to their life. If you go out here and you say, hey, Jesus died for you. Jesus loves you. Jesus got up on the third day. Have a great one. People go, hey, I like that guy. Yeah, I like that. But they have no context into why he came. He came because we were dead in our sin, lost in our trespasses, hopeless without a savior. We are sinful and in need of a savior. It must be preached. Repentance must be preached in order for the gospel to arrive in its proper context. Does this make sense to anybody? Let me, let me help you feel it even better. Imagine a doctor, okay? You go into a doctor, something's wrong with you. And he sees that you have a terminal illness. He sees that you are ridden with cancer. But he goes, well, I don't want to give him bad news, you know, because I want him to like me. So everything's fine. You're doing better than you think you are. You just keep on doing you. Keep smoking. You just keep it on living up. That is malpractice in the highest degree. Yet we have preachers and false teachers that won't tell the world the true condition of their spiritual nature. It's not me being angry or cruel when I warn you of our sinful condition. It's the most loving thing I could ever do. I'm trying to point you to the master. I'm trying to point you to the healer, the deliverer, the savior of our soul. Come on, somebody, if you believe it. 
The doctor who warns you is not being cruel and a hater. He's trying to save your life, homie. And we're trying to save your soul. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. On the day of judgment, we will be found guilty. We are in need of a savior. But thanks be to God, when we were dead in our sin, lost in our trespasses, he was rich in mercy and he loved us so much that he gave his son to die on the cross to take away the sin of the world. It's good news. It's good news. It really is. So not only do false teachers, not only do they minimize the scripture, not only do they minimize Jesus, one of the most dangerous things they do today in 2023 is not only do they omit repentance and sin altogether, but they actually degrade the gospel by telling you that Jesus doesn't want to transform you. Oh, I'm about to make you come. I'm about to be right in your driveway in about three seconds. You ready? Here's what they say. They say, God loves you just the way you are. You come to him just the way you are. He loves you. He accepts you and he's going to celebrate you. Flag on the play. You're right. He loves you just the way you are. He does. Broken, addicted, confused, messy. He loves us just the way he finds us. Yes. And he accepts us just the way we are. That's true. But he loves us too much to leave us that way. He d- yeah, yeah. That's what the truth sounds like. Listen, you remember Jesus and the woman at the well? Remember her? He rolled up at the well and he's like, girl, you got five husbands and the one you're living with now, he ain't your husband either. She's like, okay. Now listen, Jesus did not say, now I receive you, I accept you, I love you. And girl, I celebrate you. You go head on and keep doing you. You live your best life, girl. Don't you let nobody judge you. Only God can judge. You do your thing. No, seriously. Did Jesus celebrate or affirm condition? What did he say to her? Go and sin no more. What about Zacchaeus? The little short dude that worked for the IRS. You remember him? (laughs) He was ripping people off. He was like, you owe 30%. And really they owed 25. And he was just keeping the, the change. Until one day he hears that Jesus is passing by and he climbs up a sycamore tree and leans over just to hear the message. Jesus says, Zacchaeus, you get down out of that tree. I'm going to be a guest in your home today. And when they dined together, Jesus didn't say, now Zacchaeus, I love you just the way you are. You're my guy. I know you're ripping people off. You go ahead. I celebrate that. I affirm that. No, I'm done with being serious. Did, is that what Jesus said? He said, Zacchaeus, you go and sin no more. What did Zacchaeus do? He took the money that he had stolen from these people and he paid it all back with interest. And you know what happened? 
people turned to Jesus. The woman at the well, when she went back to the village and sinned no more, you know what happened? She brought the whole village to the master. The gospel is not, let me celebrate you in your sin. Jesus died to save you from your sin. False teachers today, it sounds loving. It sounds beautiful. But if they do not call us to repentance and tell us that Jesus transforms, they are enabling people on the path of destruction. And it's the most wicked thing a false teacher could do. It's the most wicked thing they could do. We have to warn people. And again, hear me, I'm not preaching sinless perfection, okay? Giving your life to Christ Becoming a Christian, repenting of your sin, does not mean from that day on, you'll never sin again. I wish it did. The gospel has never been sinless perfection, but it is about heart change and transformation. And I may not be the man I wanna be today, but I'm far from who I used to be because there's a new spirit at work inside of me, drawing me more and more into his likeness and into his image. And the Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead now is alive in me. And I begin to love the things he loves and despise the things he despises because he is doing a changing, transformative, redemptive work inside of me. Jesus changes lives. Come on, somebody, if you believe it today. Hey, just one more, just for fun. You remember Nicodemus? Pharisee, scared of his brothers, scared of the the other Pharisees. He comes to Jesus in the cover of darkness, and he says, hey, how could I be saved? What did Jesus say to him? Unless you be born again, you'll never see the kingdom of heaven. What does born again mean? Does it mean you're just forgiven to keep on doing you? No, no. Born again means you die to you. It's no longer I who live, but now Christ who lives in me. Life is no longer about me fulfilling the impulses of my carnal nature and my flesh. No, no, no. It's now about living for the spirit. It's about living for you. You remember when you were baptized? You go under the water. You think it's so symbolic and romantic. You're like, oh, this is so beautiful. No, no. The water represents a grave, a tomb. And when you go under the water, you're saying, I'm dying to who I used to be. It's no longer about me anymore. It's no longer about my opinion, my will, my passions. No, no. I died to me so that I can be raised into the newness of life through Jesus Christ. And in Jesus, former things pass away and all things become new. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Number four, false teachers. They have large crowds. Tell your neighbor, the one you've been ignoring, they got a large crowd. You know, um, this comes in verse two. He tells you many will follow their evil teaching. You know, a lot of times when we think about a false teacher, we envision like some snake handle in church in the back roads of Kentucky. All right, and that is weird, okay? But false teachers are not that obscure. In fact, Scripture tells us popular, very popular. In fact, if you look at their churches and you look at their buildings and you look at their crowds and you look at their followers and you see the blue check mark beside their name, you'd be convinced that's the favor of God. 
But can I warn you that not every healthy thing grows? Sometimes weeds grow. Sometimes cancer grows. Not everything that grows is good. I'm talking to you. See, false teachers look like true teachers. And you cannot make a vain assumption that a person is truly from God just because they got a following. That is not the validation of a true messenger, okay? You've got to search deeper. Know a person by their fruit. Know a person by the word they preach. Are they preaching their opinion or are they preaching the scripture? By the way, I'm over hearing sermons of like one verse and then you preach for 50 minutes. Like, give us the word of God. (laughs) Half a golf clap. Hey, it's all right. Y'all are right. It's true. 1 Timothy 4 warns us in verse 3 that for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and they will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. And they will reject the truth and they will chase after myths. This is a haunting verse because this is saying not only are the false teachers deceived, but the people who follow them are also self-deceived. And many of them aren't actually looking for God. Many of them are looking for what God can do for them. Well, I'm talking to you. Be careful. Why are you here today? Are you here to get a blessing, to meet a girl, meet a guy? What are you here for? Why are you really here? Are you here to be entertained? Or are you here to be in the presence of the maker of heaven and earth? You can be in the right place for the wrong reasons. I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm not trying to judge you, but I'm trying to warn you. These false teachers, they have large followings because people want to be healthy, wealthy, and blessed. And they're eating up everything they're feeding them because really they have a lust for more and their love is of their self, not of God. Number five, they slander the way of truth. It's in verse two. He says, because of these teachers, The way of truth will be slandered. Church, open your eyes. Look around at how many ministers, how many pastors have had moral failures that have derailed churches. And what does it do? Their lifestyle, their open sin has caused the way of truth to be slandered. That's what he's saying. And I gotta say something to you. If you have lost your faith because a minister had a moral failing, your faith wasn't in God to begin with. It was in the person. Look, men are going to fail you. Okay? This is not about, that's why I detest celebrity Christianity. Can't stand it. Because we're lifting up a man when we really should be lifting up Jesus. And when the man disappoints us, Our faith falls with the man rather than being found on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ and his precious gospel. So I beg of you, don't worship men. Worship God. And don't take a a preacher's word for it. Unless they can back up what they're saying with the Bible, don't believe it. That includes me. If I get up here and preach something and it's not in the Bible, don't believe me either. You've never heard a preacher say that, have you? (laughs) You know, um, 
a lot of false teachers, they are in love with themselves and they live a, a frivolous, excessive lifestyle. And it slanders the way of truth. People look at that and they say, well, if that's a Christian, I don't want to be one. There's a famous quote by Gandhi, Mahatma Gandhi. You know what he said? He said, I like your Christ, but it's your Christians I don't like. Why are your Christians so unlike your Christ? Why did he say that? Because the way of truth had been slandered. He had seen ministers, prophets, people come in the name of Jesus that led people astray and were selfish. Can I just state the obvious, church? Please hear me. I know this feels heavy, but you've got to hear it. Jesus warned you that this is exactly what would happen, and this is exactly how everything would unfold. 2,000 years ago in his ministry, he warned that Satan would sow tear among the wheat. Listen, the moral of that parable is that Satan does not want to just destroy the church, light it on fire. No, he wants to do something far more wicked and insidious. He wants to infiltrate it. He wants to erect false prophets that look like true prophets. You see the tear sowed among the wheat, tear and wheat, they look identical, inseparable until it's time to harvest aka judgment, and then the master will separate the wheat from the tear. In other words, Satan's plan has always been to put fake churches, fake preachers, false messages in the earth so that it slanders the way of truth. And when an unbelieving world looks at the tear, they lump us all together and say, if that's Christianity, I don't want it. But let me affirm to you, there are true men of God that still stand today. There are still true churches that preach the gospel today. There is hope for the world. And the remnant of the New Testament church will not perish from the earth and the gates of hell will never prevail against it. Though there may be false prophets, there are still true ones that will unashamedly and boldly declare the name of Jesus above all names. There's hope for the world. If you believe it, give the Lord some praise all over this house. One of my favorite apologists, Dr. Frank Turek, responded to Gandhi's quote, why are your Christians so unlike your Christ? And he said it this way. He said, if someone comes to play a piece written by the composer Beethoven, but he does a poor job playing this music, should we blame Beethoven that he maybe wasn't such a great composer after all? Or do we blame the musician who hasn't studied, prepared, or learned? Are you following me? We can't jump to conclusions and say something's wrong with Jesus. No, no, no. Jesus is perfect, spotless, precious. The problem's not with the master. The problem is with his servants. Can I say one more thing to you? The New Testament has never been about sinless perfection. When preachers fall, Christians fall, guess what? We're all in need of a savior. This does not, this does not minimize the truth of the message. It just reemphasizes and reinforces 
We all need Jesus. We all need his blood and his mercy and his forgiveness. By the way, you want to hypocrite proof your life? When you sin, admit it. That'll catch up with some of you later. Like the only way for you to be a hypocrite is for you to sin and not admit it. Christian, hey, when you sin and somebody called you out, oh, I thought you were a Christian. You say, hey, you know what? I did sin. I messed up. And God, forgive me. I repent. I'm turning to you. Show them what forgiveness looks like. Show them what repentance looks like. That's Christianity in real life. Number six, they exploit the vulnerable. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this. It's found in verse 14. He says they commit adultery with their eyes. Their desire for sin is never satisfied. They lure unstable people into sin. They prey on the vulnerable, both financially and sexually. False teachers, they manipulate people into giving to their ministry. Don't be gullible. Throw, sow a $1,000 seed for you to get 10,000. Listen, stop it. If you're giving to God so you can get something in return, you're off base from the beginning. Do you come in here and say, well, Lord, I'm going to worship you so long as you do this. What is that? That's disingenuous. No, we give because and whether he answers another prayer, we pray. He's deserving of our worship and our adoration for the rest of our life. If you never do another thing for me, you're deserving of my best. Number seven, false teachers are often governed by the flesh, their carnality. It goes on to say in verse 12 that they have the spirit of Balaam. What does that mean? The spirit of Balaam, 30,000 of you is this. Balaam loved himself more than he loved the people. And a false teacher will always love themselves more than they love you. Jesus called that a hired hand. That's why they don't tell you it's sin. That's why they don't call you to repentance. That's why they don't teach the difficult things in the scripture, because they love them, not you. Let me plead with you. If you sense the call of God into the ministry to preach, teach, lead a connect group, make disciples, I beg of you, make sure that your motive is a love for God and a love for people. If this is just a platform for you to be seen, to meet some insecurity in your heart, may God have mercy. May we love the people more than ourselves. Number eight, they sound impressive, but they lack substance. Verse 17, these people are as useless as dried up springs or as a mist blown away by the wind. Verse 18, they brag about themselves with empty and foolish boasting. Have you ever heard somebody preach or teach? And man, it's so impressive. They're saying words that you have to look up. You have to Google what does that mean? It sounds so impressive, so high and lofty. But then when you walk away, you go, what? What? They said a whole lot of impressive stuff, but there was no substance to it. You know what the Bible says about that? They're not preaching the word. The word is the only substance, the only true value I can bring you. If I'm just here to impress you, what good is that? The substance is the word. Those are the eight points, and I wish I had more time, but those are the eight facts about a false teacher. I'm going to close today with presenting to you the true gospel. The true gospel is this. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
Every one of us has come short of his standard. What is the standard of God? Jesus. Jesus was perfect. He loved his enemies, loved the unlovable. And on the day of judgment, when our life is measured, it won't be measured based on our coworker, our roommate. No, no, on the day of judgment, the standard by which our life will be judged is Jesus. And next to his, we all come short of the glory of God. Romans chapter three says, none of us are truly righteous. None of us are truly seeking after God. And our attempts to be righteous are like filthy rags before God. In other words, it doesn't matter how much money you give to the church, you can never give enough to outweigh the sin of your past. Doesn't matter how many times you come through these doors, how many people you serve, how many good things you do, our attempts to be righteous will never be good enough. On that day of judgment, our salvation is not a reward for the righteous. It is a free gift to sinners. We've all come short of the glory of God. Our life has been marked by lust, pride, greed, materialism, and selfish ambition. We've loved the things created more than the Creator Himself. But while we were dead in our sin, hopelessly lost in our trespasses, when we were completely unaware of the Creator, He loved you. He saw you at your worst, and He loved us anyway. And for God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish, but find life everlasting. Today, I want you to remember that 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. He lived a life without sin. He performed the miraculous, and He took our place on the cross. He who knew no sin became our sin, that we might be called the righteousness of God through Him. Isaiah says every sin, every transgression from Adam till the future has been laid upon Him. The chastisement of our peace, our iniquities, our transgressions were all laid upon Him on the cross. Nails driven through His hands and feet. He suffered and died a death of asphyxiation. So painful new words had to be invented to describe its suffering. The word excruciating comes from His death on the cross. All for you. The wrath of God was poured out upon Him. God treated His Son like His enemy so that He could treat His enemies like His sons and daughters. Scripture says, as many of you as would receive Jesus, to you He gives the power to be the sons of God. If you'll repent of your sin, put your faith in Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus will cover every sin and every stain. And on that day of judgment, you will not be found short. No, on that day of judgment, God will call you holy, perfect, righteous, blameless, as though you never even sinned to begin with. Because when He looks at you, He won't see the lens of your past. No, now He sees the blood of Jesus that covers you and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Come on, somebody, and give it praise.
you're in this room right now, you're not gonna make it to heaven by accident. Not by working, striving and strength. No, no, you come to the Father through humility, by God's grace, through your faith. Pray with me now all over this room. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We repent today. We turn our back on our sin in our old life. God, I don't wanna live this way anymore. I wanna follow you. I wanna serve you. Your way's better. I believe that Jesus died for me on the cross. His blood was perfect and it was spilled for my redemption. I believe that he died, he was buried. And on the third day, he rose from the grave. He is transcendent over death, hell and the grave. And today I give you my past, my present and my future. It belongs to you, Jesus. Lord, change my heart, my very desires, my very perspective, may it align with yours. Help me to love you and serve you all the days of my life. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, if you enjoyed today's podcast, click that subscribe button, share this podcast on social, or even take a screenshot from your story and tag us. We'd love to hear how the Lord is using this podcast to bless your life. You can send an email to info at visionchurch.com or you can DM us on social with a story of how God is moving in your world. Also, we'd like to thank those who invest in our ministry financially. It's because of your sacrifice that we are able to publish this every week. If you'd like to join in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in the description or visit visionchurch.com and click the Give tab. Thanks again for listening. God bless. Thank you.